1-2 pitch. Red Sox win the World Series! This time Manning going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Between Two Gardens. It is the podcast where we debate the biggest sports topics of the week from both sides of the greatest city rivalry in the history of sports. Sitting across from me, as always, in the blue corner, representing the garden that sits on top of Penn Station and all things New York City, back in the house with us is Tom Arduino. Yes, sir. And sitting back over here in the red corner, representing the garden that sits on top of North Station and the 21st century sports mecca of the United States of America. My name is Dan Emmons. That's Tom Arduino. And we again have a third corner. And again, it's not purple. It's just another fucking blue corner. You keep just bringing in extra blue corners. And not only is this corner also blue, like he's just a carbon copy of you. He is literally the the closest genetically speaking thing to you that exists on this planet Mm -hmm. all the way down to to the fandom it's even it must be genetic all of that all of that to say we are joined by the lovely and talented with great hair steven arduino in the house this week how we doing guys Uh, i'm good i'm good hell yeah school's going well oh everything's good can't complain get into the groove of school you know cool doing my thing October is when it like, like, obviously, like syllabus week is one thing. September, the rest of it in itself is pretty like lackadaisically paced, depending on what what classes Mm -hmm. you're in. But like pretty much as soon as October 1st hits, like that's when shit starts to get serious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I got a couple papers uh, coming up that are due in a couple weeks. October definitely it gets real. It picks up, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Is it almost midterm season already? I feel like the like semester at, just fucking started. At, end of October, right? Would be yeah. Like, I think uh, you start to get the first week of November. Yeah, like, but you like, start to get the oh shit, it's coming. Yeah, anxiety, yeah. like <laughs> that type of stuff coming. Oh yeah, that starts to set in. October is a sneaky tough month in academia. It really, it really is. is. It is. And it's so cruel that like Halloween falls falls right oh, around well, midterm time. And that just uh, that just always fucks I some gotta, people up. I have my uh, next math exam on Halloween, so so that could be a fun holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Someone always gets hit with with something like that. Well, hey, I think a little bit will rub off on you because we are technically on a Harvard Zoom account right now. So like the 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 academic pixie dust is a plenty in, in the do. Zoom room. We pick up at least two or three IQ points just yeah. for using the Zoom. <laughs> exactly. Um all right boys, well thank you both for being here once again. I mean, I don't know why I'm thanking Tom. It's kind of his job to be here. But we uh, were yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? Like you got to celebrate yourself in this life. You know? You, you do. Um but we were doing a little bit of uh, off the airwave chatter coming into here, getting to know each other a little bit. And Tom dropped a take that I don't necessarily know if I disagree with, but I definitely want to break it down to the molecular level. So, Tom, just would you care to repeat this off the cuff statement you just made to, to me and your kinfolk here? Absolutely. So football is the worst sport out of the four major sports to watch in person Mm. that being um, and this is not in any particular order, but 
one, usually the weather is terrible. And it's usually outdoors if you're in the Northeast. Yep. The stadiums are the biggest stadiums in sports. So, I mean, unless you got that money, you're, you're sitting good, close. But if you want, you know, to ball on a budget, you're, you're sitting up there, you know, touching some 747s coming over your head. Um, you might as well, you know, if, if you're at MetLife and you're in the upper deck, you actually might be in New York watching the game. Uh, but it's depending on which side of the stadium you're sitting. If there's like a goal line play and you're on the other end of the end zone uh, on the other side of the stadium, you can't see anything. You're using the jumbotrons anyway. So what I say, um, save yourself from the harsh weather, the agony of travel, traffic, um, and just sit at home on your comfy couch, enjoying red zone, drink of your choice, um, some good snacks, and maybe even some good company. Okay. This is overall a good point. I want to preface my counter arguments with that. However, we did provide a little bit of context when we were talking off mic as well, that your in-person football viewing experience hinges upon you watching football at MetLife Stadium. We did. Which I will say... I've been to quite a few sports venues in my day, probably probably over the years. Uh, it, it's probably around a dozen or so different uh, stadiums and arenas across the sports that I've been to. I have never had a worse in-person game day experience than the one time I went to MetLife Stadium. I mean, that is just such a soulless tin can of a stadium where you, you said it yourself. If you're anywhere above like the loge level, at MetLife, you are like why half, bother? You are half a mile above sea level. Like the the three hundred level at MetLife is utterly ridiculous. How far away from the field it is? It really it does feel like you're almost in another zip code. Like it it is it is nuts. Um, however, looking at it from the other side of the coin, my primary football viewing experiences happen at Gillette. Gillette is new and tiny. There is not a bad seat at Gillette. I think the 300 level at Gillette is about as far from the field as the 200s or the loges at MetLife. Like I, I've cut my teeth growing up. My dad and I in high school, like every year we would go to a game together and it would always be in the 300 level. And we never had any issue following the game. We didn't feel disconnected from the game. Like the 300s at Gillette are still very good seats. And I don't know which one, because I think MetLife and Gillette are literally opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how enjoyable it is to be there. Also, Gillette has personality, and that's a whole other aspect that MetLife just doesn't have. I think these are literal polar opposites that we are coming at this from, but I wonder which end of the spectrum the norm is closer to. Yeah, I, I agree with you because I don't, I don't even know if that take is a hot take per se, you know, because on one hand, football is an incredibly popular sport and people want to go and support their team. I get it. Tailgates are also a big draw to football. 
uh, games as well, which I didn't in- include. Um, mm-hmm. And which in some cases is even the more sought after aspect of the game itself, depending on, on how big of a fan you are, who you're seeing the game, whatever. Um, Listen, I always care about the games, but I've had oh, a better absolutely. time at tailgates than games many times. For sure. For sure. And, and I think, I think that's the thing, right? It's obviously Dan, me and you both going to a giants or Patriots game. We care about the game a lot. However, I think, there's a good chance that we would both enjoy the tailgate way more than actually watching the game just because of the, the viewing experience that football allows you to, to get. Um, sure. And that, that's, that's how I think about that. When you're sitting at home, you, you know, you're in the action all the time because the cameras are focused on the, uh, and you get 50 different angles now. Um, so you're, you're constantly seeing as much of it as possible. Um, and I think out of all the sports, you lose the most with football just because of the nature of the sport um, and how it's played. Baseball, you can pretty much follow around the whole time. Basketball is easy. Um, and hockey, you're usually not in that big of an arena that you have a difficult time following along. And also hockey is just incredible in person. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the one thing I would say is that the only semi the only other semi unenjoyable experience I've ever had was watching the Celtics from the 300 level at TD. Mm-hmm. That is like the court is just so tiny. Like yeah. that's that's a venue where I'm usually going to watch hockey games where the the ice takes up you know the entire floor. Mm-hmm. Basketball is like. the court probably runs like blue line to blue line. If that like that, that's the amount of space that you're working with. Um, I mean, I'm biased because I kind of just find basketball kind of boring and pedantic to begin with, Mm -hmm. but in person, I don't think it's that great either. But again, I've been to two games and they were both in terrible seats. So like, again, I, I might be, I might be a little bit off there too. That's fair. I've sat for Knicks games. I think I I've actually sat pretty decent seats for, the like three or four next games I've went to, but one was up in the upper deck and I, I still enjoyed it. I, I, I think, um, yeah, very like sneakily enjoyed my experiences at, at MSG. And this is when the Knicks were terrible. Mm. Too. Still, um, but I mean, yeah, but you know, <laughs> we're, we're shit wrapped in, you know, fool's gold now, but yeah, but at least they're fun. Terrible now. Yeah. Like, at least it's like, oh, we have like an all-star, a little excited. Like RJ yeah. is a superstar in the making for four years straight. Like, you know. Well, uh, I want to bring Steve into this a little bit. Steve, I know you said you had never been to an NFL game before, but uh, yeah. in terms of just like least to most enjoyable live sports experiences you've had, do you have any uh, input on this particular? Um, thing? Well, I'd I'd say my best experience going to a professional game was this summer. I saw Aaron judge walk it off against the blue Jays in like May. So that was crazy. And my friends that went with me are blue Jays fans. So it was funny to laugh in their face, but um, my worst uh, probably 
I don't really have one. I haven't really been to many games where like I've been upset about anything. Uh, maybe when I went to see the Knicks, I it was kind of bad seats. Like I couldn't. It was like on an angle at MSG. It was weird. But I was really uh, young, so it didn't really matter. But I've had overall good experiences. Like we went to uh, Webster Bank Arena and saw the uh, Rangers Islanders pregame, and we were basically like. I don't know, 25 feet away from the ice. Like it wasn't even mm-hmm. like it was right there. I, mean, I think we saw Filipino with the hat trick. So yeah, that was pretty nice. Hat trick overtime winner last year. Was oh yeah. Oh, that, cool. that if you're a hockey fan in Connecticut, even New York, and you're not taking advantage of going to see two professional sports teams play a competitive game because they, they dress most of the team. And right. if not, they're filling in those spots with prospects. Yeah, we saw, um, like, if you're a diehard, right. And you, you know, for like, I think we paid like 30 bucks and we were like 50 feet from Igor. Like, right. yeah, it, it's just an incredible, incredible experience. That's probably been one of the best experiences oh, yeah. um, that I've had. Um, And that was a preseason game. Bro, and it, it is so amazing. It is insane that they still do that. They've been doing that since we were like kid kids. I don't understand how there's not like a lottery for it. Like you could yeah. literally get tickets like the day of and still go. I don't yeah, understand small. how that's a thing. The arena is small too. Like there's not a bad seat. Yeah, it's like, literally it's like a Harbor Yard and the XL are both just like a lower bowl and that's it. Right. Like I, I use this analogy. Um talking about this before but like it's like imagine like your favorite artist musical artist being like i'm gonna go instead of doing an arena i'm gonna go do like a small venue of like five thousand people like those tickets are sold out in minutes and you won't be able to get them and they're gonna be like a thousand dollars a seat yeah not 30 i get it's hockey but still like connecticut is, is such a rich hockey community I don't it get is. it. I just don't get it. And I, you know what? I shouldn't be complaining because I love it so much. <laughs> Dude, I, I went to one of those games when I was, uh, when I was like eight or nine, uh, my parents took me to see, they, uh, there was an Islanders devils game and I was going to see Marty Berdor, who is my favorite player growing up. And I, I don't think I could wrap my head around the concept of why they were just in Bridgeport, mm-hmm. but uh it was pretty sick and it's so like that honestly news to me that they still do that every year and it's amazing that they still do it it, it is it's um i, I love mean it. I, it, go ahead. it's a it's a great way for to that this this gets underlooked nowadays a lot but it's a great way for for kids to go and like get immersed into a team or a sport and see it like before we went to Yankee game, my dad was like, oh, we're going to see how they do at like the Bluefish before <laughs> yeah. I shell out this dough before we you know, <laughs> get on the train and go to New York and all that when I was like five years old. Um, from that aspect, I love it, too, because it's gets uh, more kids to see the game. You know, you're not blowing like three hours of travel on the train waiting and all that. Like you hop on 95 and you're home in 20 minutes. Like it's, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, just, I would, would you gentlemen please 
join me in observing a moment of silence for the Bridgeport Bluefish real quick. <laughs> Thank you. A big part of all of our childhoods gone too soon. And by that, Ma I mean, major. like far too late. They, there were six people at those games every year for a decade. <laughs> I think the best days they had were when the little leagues went to the games. And the school field trips. Yep. Yeah, those two. Yep. Steven actually raced BB on when the I, field. When I was <laughs> like, fact. what? When I was like, what? Five? Five, no, six? You're, you no, know, you were probably like, you know, like seven, eight. Like, seven, you, eight. You, you know what you're doing. Yeah, but you you hot dogged it, though. We thought BB was going to beat you for a little bit. And BB <laughs> had to, like, fall a a few extra times and forget where home plate was. And I was, Steve, uh, did Steve almost lose a completely scripted race that was meant to make him 100%. feel better about himself? He, he did. We were in the stands. <laughs> we're like, no, stop. I was like, like <laughs> I wasn't the quickest kid. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, as I got older and changed a little bit, but that my brother's always teasing me about being faster than me. And they use that example all the time. So God, God, <laughs> gave you know put the speed in my bucket he put the speed in matt's bucket and then he didn't have enough left over for steve unfortunately you got to give someone the good looks oh okay huh. all right i see you i see you god you're telling me your other brother was fast that fat fuck <laughs> he was he was a uh, track star yeah, Matt, Matt has a medal for uh, All-State. Jesus yeah. Christ, place. What, the, what the fuck I happened? Think, uh, I think he was supposed to compete nationally, but they didn't have the event or something that one year. Yeah, they didn't do that event in, in nationals, I think. Something like that, but yeah. he was uh, he was pretty good. God, I know I don't feel bad because I know he feels the exact same way about me, but nothing makes me happier than just absolute blatant cheap shots at Matt. It, it makes me happier than literally anything. It's so funny because uh, Nate uh, Cutting also loves cheap shots at Matt. <laughs> like, I don't know. Does he just have like a, like a, a metaphorical, like punchable face or something? <laughs> like, is there something about him that it's just like, well, we, he's the most like, free-flowing like verbally abusive person i've come across in my days oh yeah right? he'll just he'll just come on and just be like damn fuck you and yeah. then like leave well, the i mean he's around yeah. not even when he's on the show he's behind you half the time when you're home <laughs> right right <laughs> so i get it so so he put the target on his back a little bit with <laughs> with you with when it comes to nate like if nate would be over the house and we're just chilling nate would literally just be like yo fuck you matt like <laughs> Like oh. randomly, like in the third inning of the Yankee game, we're watching and that's upstairs. <laughs> like he just it randomly but on top of everything. He does have a punchable face and he posts fucking workout videos on Instagram every day. So like, <laughs> he's not doing himself any favors. Well, he's, Zero a favors. He's, he's a trainer. He's got to do he's it for a the personal brand. trainer. Oh, he's a so. personal trainer. <laughs> Who are you the personal trainer? God. Um, what the fuck were we talking about? Um, we were talking about we started with uh, football being the worst experience to go. Oh yeah, live, getting back to it, and then we got down here. But um, I don't, I don't think I'll ever get myself to go to a Giants game. Uh, this year, they got to convince me a little you'll, bit. You'll go eventually, but oh, one hundred percent. But past five years, six years, I, they've given me no reason to want to. So mm -hmm. 
They're three and one, and Saquon's healthy. Well, I don't think it's going to get better for you, bud. It's brand it's new. Like, That's brand new. It just happened. like Saquon two K is a real thing, Steve. Oh like, yeah, he, I'm, I'm probably going to go to one or two games this year. I definitely just want to have the experience of going there, but it just you know in the past it wasn't. It was a very depressing game to go to, like <laughs> losing three to twenty. You know, against whatever team in the league you're playing at home isn't really the best. Uh, no, well, it's, it's more so just the way that the Giants have played the last few years that they're just like I couldn't even watch I mean, on TV. I I know I wouldn't want to watch them running it on the goal line with their QB sneaking on the goal line at in person, let alone uh, or on the TV, let alone in person. They they are at least a a little bit watchable now. Um, And they're in, and they're in games and they got a lot of winnable games ahead on the schedule too. So maybe I'll make my way down to to MetLife this year. That's what I was looking at. I saw their schedule and it doesn't look too intimidating, but it's, I feel like most of their games are going to come down to uh, who gets uh, one more turnover than the other person. It's going to be tight games, and the defense is going to have to show out on some of them. Because, I mean, you got Jacksonville and, and uh, the, like, the Lions. Like, they aren't easy wins. They, mm-hmm. they can put up a fight. For sure. they got good so, offenses. So, Steve, the, the Giants are currently 3-1, and one, right? They are roughly, like, nine in the league in the power rankings. Top ten. For the Giants, it's pretty incredible considering where we thought we would be at this point. Right? Um, is this a legit three and one team? Do you think the Giants? Uh, do you think they're a playoff team? What do you, what What do you think so far? Now, by, my biased answer is I the division is ours, but the unbiased is <laughs> realistically I think the Eagles are winning the division, and we're right. probably. We could sneak a wild card spot, but I mm-hmm. ultimately think we'll probably just miss it. We'll be one of those like middle teams that are like getting towards that place where you could be a team that that gets into the playoffs every now and then. Because we have good pieces on the Giants. We have a new organization or as an organization that actually know what they're doing. So, um, and you know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it, we do have a lighter schedule than I, um, t- this year than we did past years. So we'll see how it goes. But I, I can see the Giants probably ending up at like nine and seven or eight and nine or something like that. Like, yeah, that's that. That's what I think too. Um, you know, every part of me wants to be like, you know, fuck Philly, we're coming for you. Right. Um, and I'm going to be like that up until like we lose basically to them. Just, I mean, you have to be as a fan right now. Yeah. Um, but obviously realistically, I'm, I'm not expecting to win this division. And that's fine. Um, Give or, it or really make the playoffs, but I, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying watching this team. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like the ball so far. Um, and I'm, and you know what too? Daniel Jones is not the Giants' biggest issue. I don't. I don't I, I, he's not. He's not uh, our absolute future. But he is by far not the highest priority. We need to fix this right now. No. Yeah, I if, would. If anything, it's if anything, it's we need to protect him and we need to get more weapons around him because in his career he's been through four coordinators. 
He's never had like a top 15 offensive line. He's never had a top 15 wide receiver core. Um, right. And he's looked pretty decent so far this year. Like he's not turning heads, but he's, he's been pretty capable. He has two interceptions this year. One of them was the bad mistake that uh, in Tennessee, mm-hmm. that was, that's, that's, that's on him. You can't do that. And the other one was against the Cowboys where uh, Stills, he um, slipped and Diggs got the pick. Right. Now, that happens. That's not Daniel Jones' fault. Obviously, he still gets credited for the interception, but he's played well and he hasn't – he's done what he's needed to do to win some football games. Yeah. And I think if they can just get a solid wide receiver one and keep building up that line, they – can be a decent team because they have all the pieces uh they have some really solid pieces on defense so i agree i agree yeah he's, he's proving he could be at the very least a capable game manager on a on a team that's surrounded with talent he's not gonna be able to do it by himself uh he's, he's not that level but really no no quarterback is in the nfl you need people around you i don't care who you are uh but yeah he's it's been, it's been fun to see this year yeah, and on top of uh, on top of the early success there was uh Landon Collins had a um meeting with the Giants and I think he had a like a training session with them whatever you want to call it a visit um and uh so apparently he's you know expected to sign with the Giants I would like him to return I mean he was pretty electric when we had him I loved him uh, I, yeah, I was so sad to see him go, especially to Washington. Right. And um, and I think Odell was in the facility, too. Now, people thought it was him, like, oh, like, yeah, like he's coming back to New York. But I, I think it was more just like visiting uh, Sterling Shepard. And because mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's cleared for anything football until late November. No, no but he's shopping around right now for sure. I think. Uh, I th- and I think. Go ahead. I think he's also using this as a little tactic to like get the Rams to up their offer because like, I mean, realistically, he's going to want to go to a, a place that can win right away because mm-hmm. he, in that point of his career where he's, he's not like, Oh yeah, I'm and for this rebuild. He's 30 plus now, I believe. So um, he's probably going to want to go back to the Rams, but they, I think the Rams are just waiting for him to like actually confirm that he's gonna be healthy and play again, but and it would be cool to for him to come back to New York. But we'll see. We definitely need him. Yeah, for sure. He, he was. If we're being real, he's kind of just stopping to say hi to his old security guard friends on his way to Foxborough. Like it's it's quick quick <laughs> yeah, John away. Keep dreaming. Um, no, wait, we've talked about this before. He's going back to the Rams. That's why I picked him as my last fantasy pick. We've talked about this, Tom. He's still on my bench. Yeah, he, he could. It's I don't know. The Bills also look pretty enticing right now. Um, yeah. There's also, I, like, Odell, Green Bay. Green Bay, it, like, it's not a set-in-stone thing by any means. Um Especially the Rams are not playing well, and I'm sure Odell is gonna just want to be ring chasing, which I don't blame him. I would right. do the same thing. Um, and there's also a little rub too that he 
uh, I think he really wants to play with Lamar Jackson. Well, I really do. I think, I think he, I think he, I think he fucks with that connection a lot. And there's also been slight rumblings of potentially Lamar and OBJ hooking up in New Jersey. So we'll see where that goes. I, I'm not holding Jesus. my breath on, on that. That is that we're getting way out there, but yeah, no, that kidding. is the dream scenario. That Listen, is Lamar's with Lamar's contract situation. You never know. It's possible. It's possible. There were three, and there were like three or four teams. I think that he has as like an okay that he would be traded to, and I think it was the Lions, the Eagles, I think the Giants, and there might have been one more team on there. Um, but I'm, I didn't know I'm, that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I'm. If I'm not mistaken, I think we might have the money for it next year, right? To to go out and sign some big free agents, especially if we get rid of. I think we'll probably trade Leonard Williams and uh, some other big contract guys like Galladay. We'll he'll probably won't be on the Giants in the next uh, couple seasons. Remember when he was going to save your whole franchise? I don't understand that. I don't I don't know what happened, but uh, he's I don't think he likes football anymore. I mean, that was literally like, OK, we got Kenny Galladay. We're good. This is as good as we're ever going to be because we have Kenny Galladay. I don't understand it. I mean, he, he was At a good all. wide receiver in Detroit. I, I guess it was just Stafford doing his thing with uh, his wide receivers like he did with Cooper Cup, but. I mean, he was a good wide receiver, and he's he's what the Giants needed. When we had Galladay, and th- this is documented on on the pod when it, when it went down. But like we were, I was as a, as a fan that just needed something exciting. I was like, let's go! Like he can be our guy. But I knew with his injury history, and he's like number one. He's got talent, but he's not really he he's not a Batman. He's really not. Um, back of my mind, I knew it wasn't going to work out. And this is what we're seeing now. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get traded. I, I really don't that. understand what's going on there. On top of all that, just an awful contract by Gettleman. Oh, but of course. Of course. Well, what else do you expect from him? So Not much. Yeah, I think it was, I think he had like. He he knew he was his job was gonna be uh, done at some point, so I think he was just trying to make Giants fans e- hate him even more by doing stupid things like that. I, don't, I just don't understand it. What was his contract? It was like f- like four years. Yeah, it was like I think he's getting like is he getting twenty five a year? Something like something obscene is like. <laughs> 17 guaranteed. Yep. 72 uh, over four. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four years. I knew it was something like that. So 18 a year. Only 4.5 for a guy who has like next year's salary is guaranteed. Yeah. He's, I think he might have more drops than, than uh, catches this year. So All this right. is what's, this is what's going to happen. We're, we're either going to trade him in season or, uh, we're going to ride out the rest of this year paying him 14 million and a quarter and then 
like eat 4.5 next year or like buy him out. I like it's, it's not the worst when you look at it, I guess we'll just eat this year because it, there's really not much more guaranteed money out there for him. Right. But I mean, listen, I can't throw too many stones. My team crazily overpaid for fucking Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar. But, but I'm like Aguilar. <laughs> but at least he's like providing some value to the offense now. Like he fucking mossed a guy last week. He's becoming. At least you know, he's visibly on the field. Dan. Yeah. At, yeah, at he least is. he's getting snaps. Galladay wasn't even getting snaps at one point. So. I mean, it is a double-edged sword because if Aguilar is getting snaps, Kendrick Bourne is not getting snaps, and Kendrick Bourne is a lot better than Nelson Aguilar. So it's it's a double-edged sword. But he, yeah, I, at least he's playing. At least he's making. You know, he has one good play this year already, at least. So, ish. Yeah. Um, but why don't we take that opportunity to talk about what we just saw in Green Bay two days ago? Um, I mean, the Patriots coming in, you know, coming in, you're going to have Brian Hoyer against Aaron Rodgers right off the bat. I think the Rod, the, the Packers were minus nine and a half in that game. And yeah, even that felt a little bit low. Um, I wouldn't have blamed anybody who took that action. Anybody who took Packers minus nine and a half, because it looked like we were oh. about to get our doors blown off. No, dude, I was all over Pat's plus 10. Yeah, you took it. I did. Nice. I did take it. It's just too much with Belichick. It's too much for... <sighs> 10 points is a lot to ask. 10 points is a lot for anybody, it, really. It's a lot. And, and like, the Packers aren't, like, a phenomenal football team. Like, yeah. Plus 10, I'm... I, if I'm going to take minus 10, I'm going to need the Chiefs. I'm going to need the Bills. I'm right. Gonna, like, I'm going exactly. to need a team that can score. Once you start talking, getting into two score lines, I think I took, this was last year. I took the bucks uh, minus 10 and a half against the jets. And that didn't even cash. Right. Like the, yeah. the most highest end of the spectrum versus lowest end of the spectrum matchup you could possibly ask for. Yeah. And that didn't even hit. So I think I mean, a lot of those bets are, I, I don't know if I would even go for a line that's above a touchdown in any game at this point. It's tough. It's very tough. For sure. But um, yeah, how are we feeling in, in Patriot land right now? All right. So I was of the mind in the beginning that I thought Bailey Zappi should have started this game instead of Brian Hoyer to begin with. Brian Hoyer, as has been well documented on this show, we've talked about it many, many times. Other than him just being a player coach, which I don't know what impact he provides there. But I have no idea why Brian Hoyer is still here. He's gotten his opportunity. He got it last year. Uh, no, he got it the year before when Cam got COVID to step in and be the Patriot fans were sold for years on Hoyer is here because he is one of the most reliable plug and play backups that you can have. He's been working with this playbook for over a decade. He's, you know, learned from these, he's learned from Tom Brady all this time. He's been in the system for how long and he knows how to run this offense. Then he gets a chance to do it in 2020. We finally get a Hoyer game when Cam goes down with COVID. And it was one of the worst quarterback games I've ever, I've ever seen in my life. Like he was at least supposed to be competitive against the chiefs that year. Granted it was against the chiefs 
And the 2020 roster was even worse than the 2022 roster for the Patriots. But he was supposed to get, get out there and give us at least a competitive game. That's what we were sold on him having a roster spot for this many years and not giving it to somebody else who could develop under him, trading away a Stidham to keep Brian Hoyer here. So after that game, I was like, what are we even doing here? And Bill keeps him on the team for this long. We finally get a chance, a chance for another Hoyer game. He looks okay in the first couple series. And then he goes in his, he's out with a concussion and it's Bailey Zappi time. Bailey Zappi was drafted in the fourth round by the Patriots. It's not like he's just a guy who fell into our laps. Like we gave up some at least reasonably valuable draft capital to get him. And he comes out and he definitely had his moments of poor play, but I think that's as good as you can ask a backup quarterback to play, especially making your first NFL start at Lambeau field against Aaron Rodgers. Like he had a touchdown pass. His numbers were, you know, good, fine to good. I, I like, I'll go out and say good. And then he has a chance to go out and win it in the fourth quarter. And this is, this was my biggest takeaway from the game on Sunday. Bill, for all his faults of which there have been many that were revealed in this year, in the last year in 2020, Bill won't take risks even when there is nothing to lose. And you saw that on Sunday because the Patriots had a chance. They had fourth and four in overtime at the green Bay 44 yard line. And they punted. This punt was evaluated by the, what's it called? The, the, the Twitter account that measures the cowardice of punts, the failure uh, index or something. uh, PFF. It is. Yeah, I think it. I think that's what it's called. This, at surrender index. Oh, okay. so every punt in big points in NFL games is measured one to a hundred on the surrender index, which is basically measures how cowardly a punt is. And I'm going to read you this tweet. This is from after the game on Sunday. New England decided to punt to Green Bay from the Green Bay 46 on fourth and five. So it was fourth and five on the Green Bay's 46 with 653 remaining in overtime while tied 24 to 24 with a surrender index of 57.09. This punt ranks at the 99.6th percentile of cowardly punts of the 2022 season and the 99.4th percentile of all punts since 1999. Jeez, I I uh, I need to Dan, please send me this account because I need to follow this account immediately. I yeah, I love it. this. I did not know this existed, and the fact that they are using the word cowardly. Oh, you've never seen tweets, the surrender index on the perfect, timeline? Before? No, and I I love it. This needed to be a thing. And I'm it's so happy. I don't understand why you don't go for it there, but makes makes zero sense you're in green bay territory already right do do the patriots expect to be a contender this year no like especially with mac jones out that's a lot harder you don't even have a your number one qb so it's like what do you even have to lose you go out there and and if it happens it happens i think that's what the giants have capitalized a little bit on this year they've been a little bit more of a risk taker when it comes to those situations. 
The Giants yeah. have two Super Bowl rings because they weren't afraid to throw shit at the wall against a vastly superior opponent. <laughs> like, good things happen when you take risks when your back against, is against the you wall. Ha- you have to. You yeah, literally have to. The alternative is giving Aaron Rodgers a million chances to beat you in the late fourth and overtime, right. which is exactly yeah. what they did, and eventually it caught up to him. Because he's not going to turn over the ball. He doesn't really ever turn over the ball. So You got the – so first off, the first play that I disagreed with was with two minutes left to go in the fourth, the Packers punted to the Patriots. They pinned him deep. It was inside the five, but they had two minutes and two timeouts. Bill ran the clock out. Bill just ran, runs up the gut, knowing that the Packers had no timeouts and he was playing for overtime. And as I was watching this game at that point, before he even got the chance to make this blunder of a move in the in overtime, I said, why is the idea of overtime against Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau preferable to just running a two minute drill and having faith? Like why, why is that a preferential outcome to you? Like, wouldn't it be more advantageous to try to win this game here and now? Because like, I I think by the time you get to overtime against Rodgers at Lambeau, I feel like you've already lost. Like that crowd is going to come to like life, like you hadn't seen to that point in the game. Rodgers had been heating up slowly over the course of the game, now was hot and was only going to get hotter in overtime. Everybody knew that going in. And Bill plays for overtime. I don't understand it. Like, I get that you probably don't want to risk Bailey, your your quarterback, your third-string quarterback who's having his NFL debut. You don't want to risk him throwing a pick six inside the five. I get that. But the alternative is not good. The alternative is going into that situation. So Bill gets away with that decision. He gets to overtime. He loses the coin toss, but he gets the three and out. The defense steps up and against all odds, forces Aaron Rodgers to go three and out on his first possession, which was a Herculean task by the Patriots defense who played amazingly all day. A Herculean task, more than you could have asked for out of that unit. Bill gets that bone thrown to him. He gets the ball. Um, they go out on their first possession as well. So now both teams, you know, have gotten their possession. The Rogers now has a chance to win it. You somehow get the ball back after that too. You have the ball on their side of the field. You have fourth and five from the 46. And you say, rather than going for it and just seeing what happens, I'm going to give Rodgers a third chance to get a field goal. Eventually, that's a statistical game that it be- just becomes unwinnable at some point. Yeah. I-, I guess he saw something that we didn't. I don't. I don't know what the reasoning for that is, but it's I maybe I don't want to say it's tanking, but it looks like it. Like, <laughs> like, <sighs> well, there's no logic to it at yeah. all. I mean, it's early it's just season. NFL coaches being idiots because the we only, see it every year. The only logic to it that I could have even come up with is that based on what you saw that day, the defense was the superior unit on that team. The defense was playing better than the offense. So Bill may have had the idea that if anyone's going to win you this game, it's going to be the defense. That's never a good. Yeah, but that's it's not. To be in. 
Exactly. Yeah, and and the yeah. thing is, they did. They went out and did what they had to do. It, it wasn't up to him, but the defense was the first unit on the field in overtime because we lost the coin toss. Right. The defense did win you the game. Now you just have to run a fairly competent offensive scheme to pick up less than 50 yards to get into field goal range, like 40 yards. All you need to do is pick up 40 yards and you win the game on a Nick Folk field goal. And uh, I honestly, I would have preferred to kick the field goal from there rather than punt. You're at the 46. You can at least attempt a 61 yarder. I think Nick Folk can make that a couple times out of 10. I would prefer that over a punt. But yeah, it's, uh, it's just it, it was you had three options. Two I would have been okay with, and one was inexcusable. And Bill once again does the inexcusable thing, puts together a poor game plan, doesn't get it done when it counts. And it's becoming a pattern with Belichick and this coaching staff. I'm sorry. The the reason you're one and three, the predominant reason so far you're one and three is this anemic offense who you put Joe Judge and Matt Patricia in charge of. That's your ego costing this team wins on its I, own. Uh, and they're actually, also costing you a bet, Dan. Yeah. That too. Because yeah. Daniel is the better Jones right now. Yeah. Is, undisputably. Is, undisputably. And um, I actually said this to my dad uh, this morning. I said that Belichick, I think he needs to be relieved of his duties in New England. I think a great career. A phenomenal career, you know, Super Bowls and everything, you know, tip the hat to him. But I think you know, all thing, all good things come to an end. I think it's his time to pass the torch. You know, it, the past uh, seasons where you haven't had Brady, yes, it's a rebuild and it takes time. But with New England fans, they expect, you know, it, perfect, I think they expect I, a perfect season every season. You need everything to go right. For the for the Patriots, and I, I don't think Bel- Belichick is the answer for this new era. I think I might agree with you, Steve. I don't think it's going to ha- happen, though. Um, I, I don't think this yeah. is the number one reason, but I think it's part of it. I think he's in a staring match with Brady. Yeah, I think he's like, I'm not going before you go. Whose legacy? Like, yeah, whose legacy is going to be better? You know, I think there's there's a little bit of that, but I just I don't know. And then him also being the GM does not help at all. Picking. D two guys in the first round. Yep. I don't. I don't know what's. I mean, even like Kadarius Tooney looks like a better pick than the second rounder or the second the D two guy you guys picked. Is, and Tooney hasn't even played, and I don't even know what the other guy's been doing. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's if it's not build a GM, it's build a coach. It, it just feels like nothing has moved in a positive direction since twenty twenty. It, it, it just really doesn't. The defense has gotten better since then. That is true. And on top of that, you got, you guys also lost big pieces in JC Jackson, you know, that going to the chargers, that's a huge blow to your defense. Cause that would, you know, he, he would, he was really a big part of a lot of your wins the season prior I and mean, all his interceptions were huge in, in past games, man. That's another thing. Our secondary used to be the best in the league. You let Stefan Gilmore walk under the implication that JC Jackson is going to be the captain of this secondary moving forward. He falls from the sky into your lap as a pro bowl corner. Those don't grow on trees. Mm-hmm. Those don't grow on trees. Just by the grace of God, JC Jackson is a Stefan Gilmore level corner. 
And then you can't even get that guy to stay in New England. And now you have fucking Jalen Mills out in the flat. Like, what are we doing? It's it's indicative of, I think it's happening across the city right now. The Bruins are even more guilty of this than the Patriots. Just letting holes develop and not addressing them. And then expecting the same result. Like, I don't know why it's such a difficult concept for Boston GMs to figure out that you need personnel to win games. And I think it's because the the overinflated egos of all the sports executives in this city, because of the things they've been able to put together over the last two decades, everything, all of my complaints with Bill over the last three years, I think are tied to his giant ego. I, like down to him believing that he didn't need Brady, continuing to believe that he doesn't need high price skill position players to win football games, which is clearly not the case. And his just outright refusal to hire somebody who knows how to run an offense. And instead he hires his two best friends. Like, come on, Bill. What is this? What are we watching every week? Like he's like thinking too hard, Bill. Yeah. Like he's like trying to find the diamonds in the rough instead of having the sure things, the superstars, and then like complimenting them with those diamonds in the rough. Instead, he seems like he's trying to like rely on these like BC level talent mm-hmm. as your number one receiver. As and, your well, no, like, you know, Agler is not a terrible three. Now this would this might not, not a terrible two. Like mm-hmm. if Brady like, was still in New England, maybe that that works. But because uh, Brady made right. A lot of his wide receivers a lot better than they actually were. I mean, like Amendola and and Edelman, great, good wide receivers. But who was throwing to him? Tom Brady. You know, it doesn't get better than that. So, like, let's let's just run down the list here. You have let let's start with like the Red Sox. Heim Bloom going into this year. What are the biggest holes on this team, Heim? The bullpen and first base. What did you not do? Fix the bullpen and get an everyday first baseman. What killed you all year? Relief pitching and not having a first baseman and an extra bat in the lineup that could bring that extra oomph. Go on to the Bruins. Hey, uh, Don, Patrice Bergeron is retiring at the end of this year. Um, he's needed a wing and a second center his entire career. Um, can we, like, go out and do that? No. No, we're just um, we're gonna bring uh, the fossilized David Krejci back and hope that works out. Um, hey, hey, Bill. Um, every other young quarterback in the league that's succeeding, what do they have? A fortified O line and a true number one receiver. Should we go out and get him some new line pieces and get him a true number one receiver? No, let's just see how it goes. Like every. Every Boston team going into this year, with the exception of the Celtics, who made a championship run because they're finally starting to put their pieces together, unlike the rest of these fucking schmuck teams. Yeah. Every single Boston team going into this year, you knew exactly what your weak points were. And the fans said, go fix it. And they just said, no, no, we're good. We're just going to put what we have on the field and see what happens. And the Red Sox are in the basement. The Patriots are one and three and the fucking Bruins are about to have an injury riddled season and probably not even make the playoffs. Like it's after an embarrassing playoff exit last year. How do you, you're a better team than Carolina. You lose to them in fucking six games. Like dude, it's, it's the most predictable shit. Like you have a good team that has holes. If you're going to, 
respected the pieces that you have here and the culture that you've built, go and fill those holes. And they just don't do it because they think they're smarter than having to do what every other team in the league has to do. I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah, I just, I, I don't understand what it has been going on in those front offices because I, I would think you would have the conversation of, hey, Tom Brady's leaving. What do we do for the next, you know, five, six years of this rebuild without him and, and all this stuff? And uh, with the Bruins, I feel like it's whenever I look at that, whenever the Rangers play them, really, that's when I really watch them. But they, they, they look like the same team every year, basically. And like, even going back to the Patriots for a second, even the one thing that you have, at least as a guy that you think is going to be your franchise guy for the next decade, he shouldn't have even been available with the draft position that you had. He fell into your lap too. He fell out of the sky. At 15, Fields, Wilson, and Max should have all been long gone. Long gone. You didn't trade up. You didn't make an effort to go get your next quarterback. That should just happen to you. You didn't take the initiative to go do that. And that's the one thing that maybe you have going for you right now. Mm-hmm. Is that hurt. like he and he's hurt right now. And I mean, hopefully the timeline of that injury is short, but that's like the one thing that you needed and you got, but you didn't even put in the effort to get that. That just happened to you. Right. That was a little bit of uh luck. If you traded up two spots, you could have had Justin Fields. Right. If you put in the tiniest amount of effort, you could have been in an even better position. Like, oh uh, my I'm not, God. I'm not on, um, Justin Fields either. I don't know. Me neither. I think you guys might have done better with that. I would love for him to succeed in Chicago with the Bears. I think they. they, I think Mooney is great. I think he will be a star. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. After watching the Giants uh, Bears game, it Fields. I guess it's the offensive line for the Bears, but he didn't look like anything special that everyone was making him out to be you know what i mean like that that was just coming at it from the angle of where i think everybody was on draft night i think yeah. consensus no, I, I was, you. you know the better prospect i'm not listen i'm not here to say that fields is better than mac he hasn't done shit yet right. mac no. at least yeah. mac at least made and the, the giants could have picked uh justin fields like it was so that when i was watching that game i was like oh well Daniel jones is, is having a much better game than fields and a lot of people were saying Hey, get Fields at eleven. Like, if he's gonna be there, take him. You need you need QB. Even though if you think Daniel Jones could be the guy, like, mm-hmm. get some help there. But we obviously pass, and you know, Daniel Jones beat him. So you know, it's, it looks pretty good. I'm not sure. I'm not. That's why I'm not really sold on Fields. I don't, I don't know. There's something about about it. I'm just. I don't know. I'm skeptical about his game. <laughs> he doesn't show much. Up to yeah, I, I, I think he's a good QB. I just think it's he doesn't have enough around him yet to really mm-hmm. like shine. So, yeah, but we'll all right. Well, now that that screamy segment is behind us, we got one more thing to talk <laughs> about. Um, as you're listening to this on Thursday, you will know whether or not Aaron Judge is the new American League home run king. Um, at, it is 6 30 p.m. on Tuesday, October 4th. Aaron Judge has roughly 26 hours to hit one more home run. He has six to eight at-bats left to get this done. At least, yeah. And he has hit one home run in the last two weeks. I think so. Really? 
Yeah, it's been, Has it been one in two he, weeks. Jeez. He had a he, he's on a drought yeah. now, and he was on a drought coming into sixty one. No, you're right. Jeez, it's yeah. Well, it was sixty was Pittsburgh and sixty one was Toronto. So yep. And then we didn't hit any against Boston, and we went to uh, one of the games and <laughs> yeah. So that kind of sucked, but so that Toronto game, the Rangers, that Toronto series was the Rangers walk him even once. It was a week abolished. and a half ago. <laughs> hey, you know, it pisses me off. I don't even care about the record. Like, it's great. Like, Aaron Judge, is, that's incredible. Like, no one's really doing that ever, especially clean. Um, but it's like, I'd rather him have the triple crown. <laughs> but mm-hmm. now I think that's also out of sight. But the Twins aren't even playing that guy. They're sitting him. So he's not he's, his his average can't even go up or down, and uh, I just don't understand why that's it's just so stupid. Uh, Judge hit sixty on Tuesday, September twentieth. So he has exactly one home run in exactly mm. the last two weeks. Yeah, it's been very wow. dry for home runs lately from him. But I, and I think it's the pressure that's getting to him. Yeah, he I'm was not, slamming his helmet today. Yeah, yeah. The, well, he's he's times. frustrated for sure. Yeah, and that's it's. He, you can't be mad at him. He's done a lot more for this team this year than a lot of people thought he was going to do. So, I mean, you know. I think I think he's also has like a forty percent walk rate. Yeah, over uh, yeah, and these it's two weeks thing. too, which is insane. It's not so even like, like this this two week span of no home runs has been bad baseball for him. He's still having yeah. great series. He's walking yeah. a lot, and he's not he's doing his thing. He's getting base hits, uh, walks when he when they give it to him and that's not something you should be mad about mm-hmm. and i think it's funny that a lot of yankee fans are mad that he's walking <laughs> yeah it's, it's hilarious it's like tell me how good you are without telling me how good you right. are <laughs> it's truly like you think about the headspace that guy's got to be in he a has to look ahead to a postseason berth he has to focus on you know helping the team at the same time he is, for all intents and purposes, probably going to be swinging out of his shoes the next six, eight at-bats. Right. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Judge strikes out four or five times in the next two games. Um, He's only really getting one or two pitches <laughs> in a bat to swing at. That too. So I think I saw a, saw a statistic. It was like, uh, I think since he hit this his 60th home run, think 29.7% of the pitches thrown to him have been in the zone. Wow. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, I mean, like, and I don't get why people are scared. Like, I don't even know the, the guy's name that threw uh, his the 60th home run. I know the guys on the pirates, but I don't know who the guy's name is. It's, I don't know why people are like afraid to, pitch them i don't know why organizations are letting this happen but you you better learn his name though steve because he'll, he'll yeah. be a bar trivia in in your future we talked about yeah. this <laughs> on the pot in previous episode yep james uh, shields uh james shields gave up the bartolo home run <laughs> yep i'll never for, i will literally <laughs> never forget that for the rest of my life um as as we speak i receive a text from from nate cutting uh <laughs> I texted him yesterday, rough weekend, huh? <laughs> and he just responded, I have not given up. <laughs> All ca- <laughs> what 
with uh, four explanation points. So, oh, I was going to uh, say, I have not given up all caps is a powerful text. Yes. No, uh, not all caps, but uh, holding so, on to that 2%. He, he's, he's holding on, even though they're, they're going to have to play. Uh, the Mets are going to have to play the Padres and then the Dodgers after that, should they get past San Diego? Yeah. Um, I mean, Met fans are like, what? They, they just got the 10% battery notification. Like they are, they are oh. almost there. Oh, <laughs> that, I, I think that series over the weekend just solidified that DeGrom is not coming back. <sighs> oh, and I've been saying that he's going to Atlanta since June. God like, damn. That's all my Mets fans I, hate it. Think about it. He's in the division. This is the team that, they, you know, this is their year. They didn't do it again. Typical Mets fashion. And he's sitting and watching their division rival who has all of their studs locked up for like three to five years. It's it's actually dumb. Their front office is is out of this world. It's Dodger level dumb. Michael Harris signed on a a criminal deal that he could have signed for so much more. Oh, and and don't even get me started on Albies and Acuna. Oh yeah. But like they, they're, they are set up until like, and they just re-signed Morton, right? Yeah, so. I mean they're they're strapped until like 2026, right? And if Degrom is thinking about legacy at all, he's got to be like, listen, like we might not even be winning the division every year, never mind the World Series, right. and then you still got the Dodgers. So who knows what he does? But I think I think it makes it really interesting. I don't know if that that. Uh, like the home down discount, uh, the, yeah, I'll, I'll be a team player. I think that might've ran out with his last deal, especially well, we, with he's, he's getting up there in age and, and the injuries. And, and Scherzer's on contract too, right? Yeah. Is, isn't he? Like yeah, they have a lot of guys, uh, like all I'm going to say is like, yeah, Pete Alonso's great. Lindor, fantastic. Marte, he's great when healthy, but these guys, are going to need a really big check. And yes, you have the new owner that's that has all the money, but there's Nemo on that list too. He's an everyday guy who's up. Nemo. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we can, we can end it soon, but I just Mets fans, you get what's coming to you. Cause you guys started to get real loud after the all-star break. When you know the Yankees were on their downturn, and then they were heating up, and I get it, that's that's what's gonna come. But speak too soon, you get bit a little bit sometimes. Be careful. Mets okay. always uh, have a collapse. It doesn't mean it's gonna happen right away, but it's going to happen at some point. It's just what happens. They're so good with the I gotcha, like it's <laughs> oh, it's that every year. Except they came up with a new one this year. The, the only way that they could have fooled their fans this year and they came up with it and, and managed to get it. Like on top okay. of everything, you brought up your top prospect and went like oh for seven. Yeah. Like the pressure they put on that young kid is insane. I don't understand why he was brought up in that series. All right. Let's let's keep it in our pants a little bit, considering <laughs> you guys root for a team that was literally <laughs> one player away from doing the exact same thing. <laughs> let's keep it in our pants a little bit. Like, just a tiny, tiny bit. (laughs) But with that, 
We have we listen. It's a long off season. We got a lot of a lot of time to talk about baseball hot stove. We do, we do, we do. Uh, but for now, I think we're going to go ahead and put a lid on this edition of the BTG program. Uh, Tom, Steve, any final thoughts for the people before we sign off for the week? Uh, excited for the Yankees going to the playoffs. Uh, a lot of guys are hitting well. Um, I think they're hitting their stride. Um, definitely much better than what we saw in the the dog days of summer. So. Um, I'm liking what I see going into the playoffs. Yeah, it's um, I can't wait for uh, October playoff baseball. It's just the best. Um, and I lo- uh, Yankees are getting their reinforcements back from injuries, so it's going to be exciting. And uh, we'll we'll see how the Giants play out. But I got, I got high hopes. Also, let's do that hockey. Yeah, let's do that oh, hockey. Let's That's do that right. hockey, hockey, baby. <laughs> Rangers are going to be uh, they're excited. They're you know. I'm going to try to get to MSG a couple times this year. Yeah. Like I, I hate to admit how excited I would be going into this year as a Ranger fan. Like I like, Oh, moment of moment of vulnerability. Your roster is fucking great. Yeah. I like I, if, they you, wearing, if they were wearing, if they were wearing any other things to be excited about, if they were wearing any other sweater, I would be, this would be one of my favorite rosters in the NHL. No doubt about it. I, I agree. Um, But Thank you all for spending an hour of your week with us once again. If you haven't gone ahead and followed us on Spotify, if you haven't gone ahead, given us five stars on iTunes. If you haven't followed us on Instagram at between two gardens pod at between the number two gardens pod on Instagram, that shit helps a lot much more than, you know, Um, thank you again to everybody who bought stickers. I'm starting to get pictures of uh, everyone who's getting them in the mail and starting to put them up places. Uh, we love seeing that. If you're listening to this and you bought stickers and you haven't sent us a picture of where they ended up, please, please, please do. Uh, we're hoping to put together a little uh, collage of all those B2G stickers out in the wild. And uh, we appreciate it again. And we will catch you next week for playoff baseball and to discuss, I mean, maybe Aaron Judge is the new AL home run king when we come back. Maybe he's not. It's going to be a crazy 24 hours. Um, And as you're listening to this, you know the answer, which I'm frankly pretty jealous of. Um, So enjoy that, that sweet, sweet future knowledge. And we'll, we'll see you next week. Comes a one, two pitch. Red Sox win the world series. This time Manning going deep for Beckham Jr.